Scrotum. Check, check. Who the fuck is... Really? Who is calling you on I'm Skype? on the reference track. Watch this. Wait, wait, wait. I think I can do this here. That'll be live. I know. Hello? Hi. <laughs> Hi. What are you laughing at? Uh, can everyone else hear that? Yeah. No. I can't hear anything. <laughs> Nick? Yeah. Are you there? Yeah. Oh, I'm here. So is so is everyone else. Oh. Now why would anybody it... else? Can you you you're saying you can hear other people on the line? <laughs> <laughs> Where are you laughing at? Well, you see, I we have this thing. It's called RC Heli Nation. Are you in the middle of taping? Yeah, pretty much. Kinda. I'm, I'm sorry. You shouldn't answer the phone. Well, it kind of pops up on my computer, so kind of can't, like, it makes my computer start ringing. Okay, I'll let you go. Thank you, Mother. Okay, bye. Okay, congratulations, because you're probably going to be on the show now. Oh, no. Well, in that case, bye, everybody. Oh, All right, bye-bye. Hey, everybody, RC Alien Nation version 2.0. I am Dan. This is episode 189. Hi, Dan. Hi, Nick. Hey, Dan. Hi, Nick. Hi, Justin. Hi, Jesse. Hey, Nick. Hi, Bob. Jesse. Good night, Jim, Bob. Hey, Justin. Later, Bill. Hey, Dan. You guys didn't get that Jim Bob reference, did you? Do you know what that's from? No. No, dude. Your next door neighbor? <laughs> dude. Mm-hmm. Tell me you guys have never seen the Waltons. Tell me that. I've not. <sighs> never no, even never. heard night, of Elizabeth. the Waltons, dude. Good night, John Boy. Good night, Mary Ellen. Sounds really? like a stupid show. <laughs> <laughs> the gang's all here. What's up, guys? That. Not much. <sighs> Anything exciting happened this week? Beautiful weather. Oh, the weather. Yes. What is up with that? It's like 80s, bizarre dude. world, man. It's like. It's like. Uh, awesome. The roles have reversed. Mm-hmm. Won't Did stop you get raining more here. rain? Oh, dude. It's like monsoon every day, except for today. Today was very, very. Thank very, you, Dan, very nice. for taking it from us. I. <laughs> it's not just me. I mean, we're just getting a small smidgen of uh, the rain compared to those in the uh, you know central south south states. <laughs> oh, those poor. Oh, jeez, yeah. man, those Slam. poor guys. That's just ridiculous. That'd be just rain, like. Mad man, craziness. So no rain for you guys. Lots of sun. That's strange, right? Bizarro world. Yeah. Why do you see, keep saying bizarro world? Because it's different. It's it's not yeah, the way it's, it's the new fantastic. That's, that's not a movie, man. That's Seinfeld. God, work with me. You what need to Seinfeld? get out more. I can't. You keep saying bizarro world. I can't work with that. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. There you go. 
Yes. Fabulous. Now we <laughs> we're back. We're back to normal. Hey, uh, who wants to go first? I want to go first. I don't want you to go first. Fine. Screw you. Now go ahead. Now nah, I'm done. <laughs> that was an exciting <laughs> week for you, dude. <laughs> no, I anything this always week? last that long, dude. It sounds like ah, Justin screwed a few seconds longer. Ooh, I had a good week. Wait a minute, didn't isn't Jesse supposed to be the compass? Didn't you hear? Did you guys hear what he just said? No, I missed it. What was it? Say uh, it again. I don't know. You're gonna have to listen on the playback. because oh, he's not Catch that one Monday. He's not being very compass like today. Anyway. Whatever your name is, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever your name is. All right. So I had a great week. I spent most most of the uh, evenings this week uh, actually installing all the bits and pieces that I had discussed ordering last week. The, uh, the, The J logs and the telemetry expanders for the jetty. All of my radio bling. Yes, Nick, I did get radio bling. Switches. Do you so wrap it here's, yet? Here's the funny part, right? So, like, I bought, I didn't realize that they come in packs of two. These little <laughs> switch covers. And it didn't say it on the website. So I'm like, all right, uh, I'm going to get four of them just because, I don't know, maybe I'll find a use to put them on four switches. So I get this package in the mail, and and among other things are these switch covers. And they're these red aluminum Seacraft switch covers. Really nice, actually. CNC machined, really uh, clean design. And there are four packets of two. So now I have eight switch covers. So now you have the left side left to do? Yeah, except get this, right? After all of that. That, I messed for those around who with all sorts that, of different things. That was an overcomplicated radio joke, just to make sure we... Mm-hmm. we yes, thank you. Thanks, no Nick. I appreciate but, um, the clarification. No there. problem. That's what I'm right. here for. Anything. If you have to explain it, it's not a good joke. Ah, it's still a funny joke. <laughs> After yes. all of that, even though I bought four, I got eight, and I only used one. See, <laughs> <laughs> so you, you got extras. <laughs> I got in case that s- one ever wears got out. Seven extras. Now you we'll see. I I don't know. Extra switches, bitches. Yeah. What is this? Tell me about this switch cover. Like a cover for the actual switch, or like just the nut? Is it rubber, no, dude? If it was a nut cover, then I'd call it a nut cover. Oh, you're such a tool. Mm. <laughs> is that a dick <laughs> joke? Yeah. Oh come on, Dan. <laughs> Maybe someone should explain it. Yes. Now I would actually like some clarification, please. Okay. It is an actual uh, cylindrical piece of aluminum, anodized red or whatever color you want. It's got a hole in in it, and it's got a little set screw in the side. So you slip it down over the metal switch and tighten the set screw, and you now have... Does it... What? Does it make the switch longer, or what's the? Does it excite point, the switch? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that was a dick joke, bitch. That, that, that was definitely a dick joke, and it came from Jesse. 
Jeez, no, no, man. No, mine was actually sincere. When like, you slip it over so the you, switch, oh, does it go out. Does it make the switch longer? Or, no, no, no. Um, no, no, no. Mine was sincere. So you put this aluminum piece over the switch with the set screw. Is it literally just to protect it from wear? Does it make the switch longer? I guess. So you can well, change the colors. First and I, foremost, Jesse, it makes it look cool. Okay. Okay. But actually what I found, so there's actually quite a benefit to it. It has uh, sort of, uh, I don't know, portions of the cylinder are different diameters. So it actually has like a contour to it. And when I now when I uh, set my finger on it, my finger kind of actually goes right in between two of the contours. And it's a lot more comfortable. It's not slipping off the switch anymore. Because, you know, all regular radio switches are just, they're they're like the flat steel piece. There's no mm-hmm. grip. There's no texture. I got to look this up. Yeah, look it up. I, I really like them. Do I just Google, like, switch nut covers or what do I? Yeah, look up Seacraft. Uh, switch cap. Yeah, switch cap. S-E-C-R-A-F-T. Did you get the normal, the medium, or the long? I got the medium and the long. The magnum. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, jeez. You can get them black anodized, Dan. Uh, Oh. (laughs) Well, now that you you do kind of have my... Why why, why don't you go... (laughs) There you go. Oh, jeez, man. This This is headed... Oh, in man. no good direction, Jesse. And I just want to let you know that you started it. I am. I'm looking at these pictures, and I'm still confused. What is confusing? I just. I don't see the benefit. I guess. I'm just. I. I mean. I feel like I'm perfectly happy with my own switch. I don't need to cover it up with something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it might only be a normal, or maybe even a medium on a good day. But it's my. It's mine. <laughs> oh Jesus! <laughs> yeah, but uh, the problem is, Nick, yours is a momentary switch. <laughs> oh, oh. oh wow! Was... <laughs> I don't get it. It just springs right back. <laughs> it used to. <laughs> <laughs> That's even worse. Once a worn out momentary 30s. switch. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. <laughs> oh, <my. laughs> what were we talking about? Oh, wow. <laughs> I think I just peed myself. <laughs> Game over. Game over, you win. Oh. <laughs> oh. Okay. Nick, zero. Dick joke, one. One. <laughs> no joke. Oh. So. All right. I almost had ready? some a beverage come through the nose. There. <laughs> I think we're going to move on from the switch caps. Yeah. Let's uh, <laughs> go. Dude, Nick. <laughs> I mean, we could just go on. I, st- I still don't get it, but they look... I, I could see the appeal. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> All right. I'm good. Take a deep breath, Nick. I'm good. All right. Here we go. 
in addition to the modifications <laughs> of my radio. <laughs> 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 oh, okay. All right. All right. Yeah, I'll take a drink. I'll be good. All right. I installed the J logs. I'm going to mute my, <laughs> my headphones for a minute. I'll be right back. You guys not- keep going. <laughs> we must charge on. All right. I installed the J logs. These things are freaking awesome, man. Now, I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen the J logs before. They're it's a little tiny. It's almost about the size, twice the size of like a micro SD card, and it actually has a micro SD Uh-oh. card slot in it, and it's got a couple of rows of servo connectors for various sensors and whatnot. But it's super compact. You can mount it pretty much anywhere on the heli, and in my case, I'm using it to plug into the Cosmic so that I can get all the ESC data. And so it plugs into one of the three auxiliary ports uh, that sit underneath the output terminals for the motor, and then it runs with a servo wire back to the telemetry port on the jetty transmitter, and it is completely plug-and-play. All you have to do is set up like a configuration file and all that's for is to tell the the J log how to interpret the motor speed. Mm-hmm. So you basically tell mm-hmm. the heli, okay, here's the the gear ratio and the number of poles. And then you're good to go. Plug it in, powered up for the first time, and the jetty's got all of the telemetry measurands in it. It, in its logging setup from the cosmic it's a list of like 15 different things so it's like pack voltage and current motor current um main fat temperature pulse width modulation percentage uh throttle percentage uh rpm milliamp hours consumption Jeez. so i i do want to say one thing that that sounds really cool because you don't have to solder anything on your main battery leads to get that current information. Yep. That's the key, Jesse. I don't have to do any so I do sort gotta say of that, current that's a pretty cool feature. The, the integration there is really cool. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, these things are not all that expensive either. It's about, I think it's a, what was it, 65 or 70 bucks per J-Log. I mean, if you're going to put them on all your models, then it does get expensive. But I, I put them on two of the three speeds and the 770. And it's mostly for the current and consumption. Um, you know, that way I don't have to do a timer. I also got to say that uh, I did fly today. And before I get to that, I was curious about how close the consumption data is, mm-hmm. and it is super close. I did a speed a speed flight today where it consumed like 3,050 milliamp hours out of this pack, and I went and put it on the charger, and it charged to 3,097 milliamp hours put back. Wow, that's not oh. bad at all. I, I yeah I mean I didn't believe it at first but I kept paying att- attention to it flight after flight and it, it's always within about a hundred or so milliamp hours. Good enough then. Yeah, I mean, yeah, which isn't going to hurt your packs at all. Pretty damn impressive. Okay, that that brings me to the flying today. So it was my day off. Went into the field uh, after getting the last couple of bits and pieces finished up on the Diablo speed, because putting the J log on the Diablo speed is not trivial. I had to take the whole damn fuselage off and it's, it was just, a it was a whole thing, but 
got that done, went to the field. Now, here's the deal with our field. You guys may or may not have heard about the fact that we were recently robbed. Did yes. not hear that. Yep. Someone, someone actually broke into our gate and stole most of the usable equipment, including our mower. Oh, damn it. Ooh. Yeah. It sucks, dude. And so, you know, it that that was an expensive investment when we inside, got it. Inside job. How did they know it was there? Well, I mean, it's just uh we have like a one of those like carport tents over it. Oh, so right? people so, could just see it. Yeah, yeah, it's well, visible. Oh, and yeah. it's in the middle of a field. I mean, yeah. yeah. In the middle of an And empty apparently field. uh the the authorities said that this is not an uncommon thing. Like people scope out farm fields all the time, and if there's equipment out there, they will wait and they'll break in. And I mean, let's face it it it's a it's just a single padlock combination lock, so you get bolt cutters and you're done. Anyway, they stole all our crap. That left us without a way to cut the grass. And that sucks because if you've been to my field before or in, in Washington in general, you know, that grass grows. Doesn't your club have like a hundred thousand dollars in the bank? (laughs) No, I don't think so. No. Anyway, we had rented a, a lawnmower to like a riding lawnmower for a heavy, thick grass. And we tried to cut a bunch of stuff today and took turns back and forth. Pain in the ass. The grass is super high, but we got over it. Um, I went today just to do speed flying. Didn't bring anything but the Diablo Speed and the TDR. I did bring the 770, but it sat there. Never even got powered up. And uh, I have to say, guys, that the sim training on the speed stuff is working this is the first time i've flown in i'd say a few weeks speed flown and i put up some damn good runs i'm doing the reverse half cuban eights on both the diablo speed and the tdr Uh, i got the tdr up to 245 kilometers an hour i'll give you the miles per hour just wait and you ready for this? Diablo speed, 268. Jeez, dude. Nice. That's 166 miles an hour. And uh, I took pictures of the telemetry screen on the jetty. That While 268 is a peak, you'll see in the photos, and I posted them on Facebook, that it's not a spiky peak. You can look at the time scale down at the bottom of the plot, and it is in the high 250s to t- low 260s for seconds, you know, four or five seconds at a time mm-hmm. on multiple runs. Nice, dude. So I am feeling like I could not feel any better about that. I got a little f- less than eight weeks to go to Urcha. I got a lot more practice ahead of me, but I just got to start being able to do that consistently. And, and, you know, looking at all of the runs that I did on the Diablo speed today, I'm pretty confident now that without trying very hard, I can easily get it up into the 230s and 240s. Um, and then getting it over 250, you got to nail it. But I had 
multiple runs per, you know, five or six run flight. That was above 250. Now, here's the question for you guys. You remember my New Year's resolution? One of them? Wasn't that important to me. Didn't really bother me. Okay. Well, (laughs) thank you, Dan. I appreciate it. Friend. Anything for you. Anything for you. 250 kilometers an hour was what I wanted to beat. Uh, And at the time, I wasn't sure how I was going to show that other than at the speed cup. But now that I've got a Doppler GPS, I'm wondering whether that actually allows me to say that I met my resolution. That's fair. I mean, meh. Meh? It's a pretty (laughs) accurate GPS. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, man. I'm. Yeah. Sweet. I'd say we'll call it. I think it's valid. Good. Then that that is the icing on the cake for the day. I'm feeling great. I don't have anything else to talk about. I just want to keep talking about how fast I went. But that would make for a really boring show. So? So that's it. That's it. Done. Having a trailer full of new helis isn't anything to complain about, but we're still talking about the same old dumb thumbing triple sow cow and Charlie Chaplin autoing pilot behind the sticks. Now, I'm not exactly easy on my helis, and when I need parts, I need them fast. This is where Lower Heli comes to the rescue. With a great variety of my personal favorite heli parts and batteries, no matter how bad the crash, I'm sure to be able to get right back in the air to do it all over again. Fly lower at www.lowerheli.com. Well, I'll go next. Please. So, rain, right? Lots of rain. Uh, didn't get any flying in. Been busy as hell at work, but last uh, weekend, decided to Go into the office essentially on Saturday to do a little work, but mainly work on some helis. Get some rewiring done. And uh, I uh, wired in the Western Robotics and redid all the wiring. Probably one of the cleanest wiring jobs I've ever done. It's fantastic. Nice. Took a lot longer than I thought. (laughs) It got to the you ever get to that point when you're in the middle of doing a big kind of a remodel like that and you're getting to the point where you're just kind of like finishing up and you kind of get, you're like, you kind of start, stop caring. <laughs> you know, yes. it's just like, I just want to get this done. Yeah. You know, it's like, and you just, so I kind of got to that point. So I left it and then finished it up the following Monday at work. So it's basically ready to, ready to rock. Now we've got two good days of sunny and 80 degrees the next couple days but uh sunday i plan on flying uh, i'm working tomorrow so i'm not going to get any flying in tomorrow but um got a new lid canopy as nice uh, i got it actually a few weeks ago i put a picture of it up on facebook yeah i was and gonna say didn't you tell us that a show or two ago yeah i actually uh put it on the heli so it's nice change I don't know. It's it's uh, 
I don't do real well with red. Uh, it turns, for whatever reason, red turns black really quick for me. And so I kind of get a silhouette kind of thing happening. This one has my more preferred colors, which is either a yellow or orange. It's kind of like if you remember looking at my uh, nitro and stuff like that. Most of my canopies that I fly have quite a bit of yellow or orange in them. Just easier for me to see, but uh, I actually will probably try to get some flying in tomorrow if I can get away. I'm sure. I mean, it's a weekend, so I, I will if I can, but I'm looking forward to uh, getting this this heli and kind of focusing on and finishing up the tuning because, you know, I got to get ready. There's a fun fly coming up in a couple of weeks. Oh, yeah? What's that? That's uh, Dieter's fun fly, the Silverwood fun fly. Oh, that's right. Oh, I wish I could go. Now, it's not, I, I can't do a kind of the typical like show up on Thursday or Wednesday. It's it's going to be a late Friday night, leave from work, after work. and uh, But it's only like, gosh, Dieter only lives like two and a half hours, three hours from from work. So, oh, and, it, and the fun flies closer. So it's probably two and a half hours away. So I kind of have to go, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, you know, not much choice. It's not it's not that far of a drive. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm uh, excited to see what kind of turnout he has there. I will have the E700 ready. It's a guarantee by that fun fly. Promise. Yeah. Here first. Yeah. I did get everything ready to go. It it's uh I hooked up the icon and got all all the servos done and everything. I just got to get the I got the BEC wired into that one as well, and I just have to do the setup and then finish the setup and then put the tail on and fly that bad boy. Nice. Nick tells me I'm gonna like it better than I like the than I like the uh, JR. I think so. I don't know. We'll find out. I do like how the batteries load. That's nice. It is. It's a nice little. Why do you think he's going to like it more than the JR, Nick? Uh, I don't know. It's quieter than the JR. Does he, are you particularly fond of quiet helis, Dan? I really could care less. <laughs> if it's quiet or not, it doesn't make a bit of difference. I just think because of the battery <laughs> system, he'll like it. The battery, that not having to take the canopy off to change batteries, that's nice. I don't know. Just a hunch. I got some good news, too, guys. Some really good news. I absolutely love my Skookum. Love it. What? Love it. <laughs> love you're, that You're thing. full of shit. Said the liar. Not buying it. No. Still don't like it. Still there. <laughs> you love it. I had to throw that in there. You little love it. Long time. <laughs> so I'm still having problems with it. Uh, actually, I've had a couple people send me an email asking me if I want to sell it, but I don't feel, and let me clarify something. You got to keep one thing in mind. This... Dan hates everything. No, no, no. Oh. This, <laughs> I flew this, this, this thing for a long time and it's old and I bought it used, you know? So, you know, I mentioned the USB thing. Well, it's old and it's been used and very likely that. Something has happened to the connection. Maybe it was manhandled. Maybe I 
pulled too hard to, you know, certainly not saying that. Shugu. <laughs> no Shugu on the oh, USB. Frick. Maybe. No Shugu. No Shugu on the USB connection there, Jesse. Don't need to Shugu that one. Never know. But, uh, Never know. So I, you mean you, know, you don't tried... keep it plugged in? No, I do not. I don't have a long enough USB cable to fly it while it's still connected to the USB. So, yeah, I've tried multiple cables. And, um, you know, shit gets old. And shit sometimes gives up. So it is what it is. So I'm not going to sell it because I don't want to... I don't know if it can be sent in to be repaired. You maybe bet. That's some, yeah. Maybe that's something I'll look at doing. Yeah, they're really good about that kind of stuff. So, yeah, maybe I'll look at doing that because I kind of do want to give it a shot because, like I said, it hasn't been updated for two years, right? Yeah. So maybe there's been some very good changes there that I'm just not aware of. I think people kind of overreacted to your complaining. Yeah, because it's not real complaining. It's just... It's Dan. It's what... He just wants to bitch about something. If the sun shines too long, I'm going to bitch about it. Yes. If the rain lasts too long, I'm going to bitch about it. It's... there. You know, I've had a bunch of skookums I never once... They are a hardware-wise... They are a very reliable fly barless system. We're just poking fun, doing what we do. Indeed. Get your panties on a bunch. I like it when the panties get bunched up, though. <laughs> I'm not even... You're not going to go down that one? So, Jesse, how was your week? Well, yeah. Y- y- <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I'm done. Go ahead, Jesse. <laughs> no, no, no. I want to <laughs> let you finish, Dan. Oh, you got nothing else to say. <laughs> Sons of bitches. No, seriously, I'm done. I don't have anything else. <laughs> don't want to cut you off early. No, I'm I'm good, man. It's all you. Are you sure? <sighs> oh. I didn't buy anything this week. Oh, there's one other thing. I have been simming for six nights in a row. Oh, dude. Nice. Um, I want to get better. Just going to leave it Are now. you? Don't we all? I'm going to find out hopefully this weekend. I just, um, you know, I think so. I think the simming is going to help. I mean, it does. It typically always does help as much as I want to bitch about that as well. Right? <laughs> I think does it help, does help. Dude. It does. You it just got to, you know, you just get in the habit. At a minimum, it maintains. Absolute minimum. What do you, what do you mean get in the habit? I'm saying you just need to get in the habit of simming regularly, and you don't have mm-hmm. to make a big affair out of it. It doesn't have to be an hour or two. It never is. <laughs> it's just getting it's you know it's getting that muscle memory exercised when you're not actually flying the heli. I hear you. I hear you. Yep. I'm, I'm picking I'm up. I'm still what you're going down. strong too, man. Still, huh? Yeah. You've literally simmed yeah, every night for a month now. Yep. Over a month. Huh. Over a month. Did, yeah. you get your, did you get your pennies yet? No, dude, I haven't gotten shit from you guys. And you're not gonna. <sighs> wow. I, I better see something in my oh. PayPal, dude. I'm thinking that we ought to, at our fun fly, we ought to all just present you with a big box of pennies. No, 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 no. I'm thinking so. We're not yeah. waiting until my fun, our that. fun fly. I'm thinking we That's might. That's BS. All right, Snohomish then. No, dude. 
What's next? I'm not shipping this many pennies. HB, we're going to fly. We're going to try to get 70 pounds of pennies through TSA. You're going to check a bag filled with pennies. pennies. (laughs) I'm sure TSA would love that one. Going to make it rain. Make it rain. (laughs) Okay, well, that really about wraps my week up. So go ahead, Jesse. Let's hear what you got. All right. Well, I do not have to take a no-fly card. Finally, been freaking way too long since I made it out of the field and flew. I think, as I mentioned last week, this was like my longest stretch going on like three weeks, I believe, without really flying a helicopter in real life. So last Saturday, I did get the opportunity to make it out to the field a little bit. I, you know, out there for about uh, two hours, got in about 10 flights, all on the 7HV. And I got to say, it was those first couple flights, I wasn't quite to the point where, you know, the hands were shaking or anything like that, but it definitely was the kind of felt odd, a little bit foreign flying the helicopter after that long of a break without picking up the transmitter, picking up the sim. And honestly, just with everything that was going on, really thinking about helicopters. Um, so definitely feel like I took a couple a you know, couple steps backwards in the flying category. Another thing to just throw in the mix is, you know, still with a fairly new radio. That was only the second time out at the field using the V control. So I'm still kind of getting used to the radio a little bit, but it was great to get out and fly. And it was like, you know, by the end of the, by the end of the trip to the field, sixth, seventh, eighth flight, ninth flight, somewhere in there. It finally, you know, you kind of start getting back into the swing of things where you're like, okay, stuff's starting to come back. The fingers are starting to work. The brain's talking to the hands um, and you're you're starting to feel connected to the helicopter again. But it was definitely not immediate. Like I was hoping it would be, you know, hope to go out there first flight and just start right back into it, kind of where you were at, but just not the case. So I I really think that like like you just mentioned, Dan, the sim could have played a huge role in preventing um, that, but just with stuff going on, that didn't happen either. But I really would be interested to see if you did take three, four, five weeks off, how you would fly if you went out to the field, very first flight right out there, if you had simmed maybe even five nights a week um, and just see how much you retain and see how connected to the helicopter you felt. Oh, I think you'd be, I think it'd take a couple flights to, to get your feel back, but I bet you you'd be better. Yeah. Every so. time there is not, there has not been one time that I have sat down on the sim for uh, even two weeks straight and just simmed yep. every single night. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, I mean, to be honest, sometimes even a week, just nonstop yeah. every night working on something that I haven't gone out uh, that next time and been better at something. Yeah, because it just clicks. You've done it so much. Yeah, so often. Yeah. Yeah, I would, like I said, it definitely opened up my eyes a little bit. I do not, I, I can guarantee you, I do not want to take another three-week break from flying. So, Do you want to know what, <laughs> you also uh, want to know what's really, really cool about the sim? What's that? You, you can drink beer and no one's going to look twice. No one's going to give you cross-eyed looks while you're saying yeah, You might not want to drink beer and do the spotlight feature, though. Yeah, that, that's pushing it. Yeah, that's pushing Is it. That... Even on the sim. <laughs> I'm gonna do no, it. So... I'm gonna do it now. Just because you said it. 
Don't take a video though, and then, then it's real. <laughs> Screenshot or it never. There's happened. no going back. <laughs> no, so I mean, overall, like I said, towards the end of the day, stuff started coming back and feeling good, and I was really enjoying myself out there at the field, getting in some flights. The weather was awesome. Could not have asked for a better day. So overall, successful weekend, and hey, getting back into it, getting some, getting some flying in. Now this last week, I did sell some stuff. I finally kind of started offloading all my Futaba S-Bus receivers. And what's funny is I didn't realize how high like how high of a demand these things are still in. I threw them up on the forum and literally within 15 minutes had like 2 or 3 PMs for guys wanting to buy the entire lot of receivers that I threw up. Mm-hmm. Damn. And, and I thought I was asking like, you know, I kind of went back. Typically what I'll do when I'm getting ready to sell something on the forum is... I'll go back, and the really cool feature about RunRider is you can go back through and see the sold items, right? It throws them all in a category for you. And hopefully a couple people will still leave the prices in there, so you can kind of get a feel for what stuff's selling for. Did that guy have to bump it, you know, 100 times before it sold or whatnot? And so I kind of go through and I'm looking at all the receivers that have sold in, let's say, the last two months and price them kind of near the top. Um, I don't, you know, typically I kind of price it near the top and then take an offer that's that's reasonable and man within a couple 10-15 minutes guys willing to just pay the the full price so those espos receivers are definitely still in high demand now on the buying side of things i didn't directly buy you know any helicopter parts or maybe not even any helicopter related items directly but i did buy something pretty cool for the garage that's going to allow me to work on helicopters. I was out last weekend and went to a garage sale and picked up a solid core door. So six foot eight, you know, full size door, solid hardwood, weighs about 70 pounds. And this is exactly what I've been looking for to make a workbench in the garage. There you go. And so I'm going to use that for the top of the workbench. I mean, basically... An indestructible piece of wood. I mean, you can hammer on this thing, do whatever you want. So really, really stout. And then got some 4x4 posts I'm going to use as the legs. Some 2x4s, frame in a shelf. Throw some, you know, a little bit of storage underneath the workbench and kind of slowly start piecing the garage together and get all the uh, little heli workstation area coming together. So, you know, a few little weekend projects here and there. Something that I hope to get done in the next couple of weeks. And just slowly start piecing the garage together, so it actually looks like you know, kind of more like a heli workshop. Like I, like I've had my apartments and rooms previously um, set up. So sweet, dude. Two things. Yeah. Two things, Jesse. Let's hear it. I'm a little pissed off because you didn't. The one guy in the group that still flies Futaba, you didn't send me an email. Oh. Yeah. I just, I knew you didn't want to pay the premium prices I was asking, Dan. Disappointed. Disappointed. Second thing. Still married? Still married. Oh. I think. She didn't take the ring back yet. So. All right. Well, congratulations on that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm almost as surprised as you are. But. <laughs> Sweet. No, every, everything's, everything's going good. Like I said, the it's definitely new. You know, new house getting married and all that stuff but i'm trying to get back to that normal schedule and it's nice that things are finally starting to settle down and kind of settling back into the normal summer routine starting to 
enjoy the freedom on the weekends a little bit more. So I'm excited about the upcoming months. At least Nick. Just when you thought that the guys at Soco Heli Tools had pushed setup methodology to the absolute state of the art, they come out with yet another innovation. In combination with their Soco Helical, which fits all sizes and all brands of helis, they've recently announced the Soco Heli Tools mobile app. This app greatly simplifies your setup by completely eliminating the need for a level working surface or main shaft. This new mobile software will do everything that your original SoCo kit did, but with the added benefit of all measurements, calculations, and directions in one easy-to-use app. When you're ready to kick it up a notch with your heli setup, visit the SoCo team at www.soco-heli-tools.com and check it out. SoCo Heli Tools, next generation setup. Let's see what uh, I got. Definitely got some flying in. The weather's just been oh beautiful, absolutely beautiful. So it has been. I'm kind. I'm back to flying at lunch, mixing it up. As we joked about, I did take one of them and put it one of the 700s and went back to the three blade. I just had to. I couldn't. I didn't have the self control. I don't care. Judge me. I don't care. But yeah, mostly just still practicing, um, flying the the seven hundred two blade at lunch. Still polishing up those pyro TikToks. Feeling really good, actually. I've I've noticed now that they're becoming a part of like my regular flying routine. I can kind of mix them in there with a little bit of flow. They're definitely coming together a lot better. They're you know they're obvious what they are every time. I'm still just, you know, focusing on keeping them in one spot, but I can keep them going now, uh, which is really nice. But yeah, just a lot of, you know, I'm really forcing myself to to focus on some orientation type flying as well, you know, so I'll do a fun flight and then I'll go back and do all my uncomfortable flight where it's all left aileron and right rudder, just trying to work on as much of that, even if it's just you know, lots of like, um, let's see, I'm trying to think. So I will do like a vertical eight, but I'll do it twice in a row. You know, I'll start right to left and then go left to right. But what I'll do is I'll actually, uh, one time I'll mix it up with left aileron transitions on each, you know, on the 12 o'clock and the six o'clock position of each circle. And then the next one, I'll come back and I will do 180 degree Piro, right Piro, and then continue through. That's actually really tough. Like if you're flying along left to right, you go into your loop like it's going to be a normal loop. Then you do a 180 degree Piro at the top. Now you got to switch back over to negative to drive it back up, you know, inverted tail first up into the top of the eight. Then do a Piro again, then come back down inverted nose forward, and then do a Piro again and come back out of it upright backwards. It's just, it's a lot of orientation practice, and I feel like it's really strengthened the flow of my flying because I'm not 
I'm not quite doing uh, near as much of the same stuff. Like I feel like I'm just throwing a lot more random stuff in there off either side. Doesn't really matter which side. I'm just, I'm just getting all around a lot more comfortable um, with kind of like the slow D flying with mixing in just a lot more kind of smooth, not really sport flying stuff, but mild 3D, elegant, uh, you know, a lot more elegant and smooth stuff. So I like that. That's my favorite kind of flying. Yeah, and I've really been focusing on it. And it's, you know, it's funny because you... You said that, and that has actually stuck with me for a long time. And I'll get in these phases where I just start kind of hammering, you know, hammering on the sticks and working on a single thing. And then it's like, hey, wait a minute. Just don't forget, that's that's really my core style that I like to do. And I will get away from it for a little bit. But it's just, it's not, I mean... Okay, so I'll work on, like, bunny hops, right? Well, yeah, I guess I could do one of two things. I could go out there and focus on snapping them as close to the ground as I could, tightening them up as tight as I could, or I can go out there and focus on some slower ones, but, uh, you know, doing a 180-degree pirouette in the middle of each bunny hop. And then coming up out of the end of it and transitioning with, a, you know, like a, a quick backwards loop into forward bunny hops and then continue that 180 degree pirouette. So they're not as like demo showstopper, you know, Duncan Bossian off the deck style. But I think they they look a lot more pleasant. They're a lot more. It's a lot more creative looking. And I think that's just kind of what I've come to terms that that's going to be my flying style. I did notice, though, and I was a little surprised by this, but since I've been flying the two blade so much, it, you know, it it just flat out likes 2100 better than it does at 2000. I, You know, I've got the HPS head on there. I don't have the HPS 2. I messed around with some different types, you know, with the different, uh, different shims. And I, you know, I got to tell you at 2100, I dropped my pitch down a little bit, so it wasn't too snappy, but man, it, it just cleaned up that last, you know, that last six, 7% that you're not completely content with and made it fly a lot better. I'm really, really happy with how that model's flying. I, I don't, I don't think I touched a single thing all week. Uh, oh, well, I take that back. I think I sent Jesse a message or something after last weekend was like, holy cow, uh, 6.0, the governor gain, it can be way mm-hmm. different. I mean, way higher. Remember, Jesse, you were mentioning that you were up a lot higher, and I'm going, dude, I always put mine at like 30. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, there is a difference. Now, it's hard to say, you know, this is switching over to a different speed controller as well, which I know can definitely make a difference. Usually it's ballpark of like five point difference potentially. But um yeah, I'm way up there now. I think I'm in the I'm in the forties. Like low to oh, wow. low to mid forties. And cause it just you know, I was getting these kind of weird 
weird bobbles out of it when I would load it hard and the head speed wasn't holding. But I, I didn't expect that. It didn't sound to me like the head speed was dropping enough to make it bobble. But mm-hmm. I think it's just, you know, with the head design, the damper design, it was dropping it into that head speed range that the head just doesn't like. You know, we've discussed that before where every head or damper combination has a range that it, it works the best in. It's kind of like a, a cycle. It's got a, a head speed range down low that it likes to work in. Maybe that's from 14 to 1700. And then from like 1750 to 1950, it, it might not like that range at all. It might bobble a lot. And then it cleans back up again, you know, once you hit 2000 or whatever. So I've kind of found that range now that the Goblin really, really likes. And it, it just made tuning way easier. Mm-hmm. Kind of goes to show uh, when it comes to head speed pitch, it's, it is very model dependent and you have to keep an open mind. You can't just say, well, I I always fly at 2,000. And if it doesn't tune there, then it's it's just a piece of shit. You know, no, that's that's not, that's not the case. Be be open-minded with your pitch and with your head speed to kind of mess around. And there is a range where your model will fly the best. That's the other thing, like you just mentioned, be open to mess around with pitch and head speed because by changing both of them, you can can still achieve the feel that you want. Yep, absolutely. And so... Yeah, I mean, I still... I definitely am at that... I run as low as I can to still get the response that I want out of it. But, um, you know, in this case, 21 really worked well. I got a pile of power supplies. Like Dan had mentioned, we... We went together and did a big order off of those, so I'll be getting those all modded up and sending to him so he can hopefully not blow his ones up. I think that's it. You been simming? You know, off and on a little bit. Not not as much as I would like, but um, yeah, I'd still, I'd say probably three days a week, right around in there. Just That's trying to bad. polish, stay going. Yeah, I haven't, you know, I really haven't been flying as much as I would like to. Last week felt good, though. I mean, it didn't work out. Uh, unfortunately, Jesse got out on Sunday, right? Saturday. Or on Saturday. That's right. That, yeah. Is that the day we were going to make a big flying day? No, Sunday was the plan day. That's right. Yep, and I just yeah. it it kind of all went to shit. Yeah, it just got all mixed. But up. I'm I am still in need of a no, no child, no commitment, no nothing. Go out to the field and bank some flights down because it, it was very satisfying last weekend. Pack a lunch day. Yeah, like pack a lunch. <laughs> I'm going out to the field. That to was my day today, and well, it was awesome. I'm jealous because I really do need that where I don't have anything else to mess around with. Yep. I thought I was going to get that this weekend, but no, we're headed out camping. So, unfortunately, there will probably only be that which shall not be named going with me. That'll be it. Because Justin's got my 500. And it's kind of hard to sneak 
sneak a 700 into a campground <laughs> yeah, that's for a, a couple flights. <laughs> but if you had a 380. Oh, that thing is so ninja quiet, dude. I yeah. absolutely should have one of those. Yeah, there's no... I, after I heard Justin's... Because, you know, I'm like, all right, well, I can get one, obviously, at a good price. It's It's been out now. Uh, it's proven itself. Like it's there's no question that it's not a not a very badass little heli. So I'm kind of thinking, ah, you know, all right, yeah, maybe that will be my next one. And I heard his, and it's it's just wow, it was so freaking quiet. Yep, uh, creepishly quiet. But then now I've got to tell you, I'm kind of getting kind of getting a speed itch. Like, oh boy! Oh man! I know. And first the goblin itch, now the speed. It man, Nick's really going downhill fast. No, because I can scratch both at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, especially after going back and reading the uh, the improvements with VBAR six one of them being uh, high speed. Yep. It. Definitely kind of has my interest up. I I don't have an interest to go out like Justin and, you know, compete or go spend quarters of millions of dollars on my speed (laughs) heli. But I don't know. But you're just talking about having a model that is capable of going faster than a 3D heli. Yeah. Just so that you can screw around ever so often. Yeah, maybe put, you know, just a flight on it every time I go. Because I, I don't care who you are. It doesn't matter to me if I'm out there doing, you know, 160 versus 135. That's still going to be fun. And I don't need to do it every flight, but it is fun to do. Um, So who knows? Maybe that'll be a winter one. I don't know. It'd probably take me till winter to save up to buy the damn ESC that I'd want to put on it. So, yep. But but I mean, if that really is your winter heli, which is fine, like do a winter build of of a Goblin Speed. Why not get a three eighty now, dude? Because you could use it in so many situations. Because you know, it really, I can turn the head speed down on the five hundred. You can't when it's in my garage. Well, that is fair. I can remove it from your garage. (laughs) That's that's fair, too. Um, I can turn the head speed down on the 500 and throw a lighter pack in it, and it's really quiet. I mean, that's not a loud heli either. Does it need to be quiet to go camping? No, no. I mean, just I can fly. I'm so comfortable with that 500 that I can fly that 500 anywhere that I can fly a 380. Well, there you it's, go then. It's just that comfortable to me. So I'm You're set. I'm kind of struggling with. What is, is your really... deal with quiet helis? Uh, well, no, it's more so <laughs> like if I'm if I'm going out to the field, I'm flying something big. Period. End of story. But yeah, if I want to go down the road and fly at a ballpark, you know, find an empty baseball diamond or find a little empty field. Uh, go, you know, like going camping, okay, find an empty field off to the side. I really would prefer to fly something. Like, I don't want the attention. Well, if you want something really quiet, you should just fly the sim then. <laughs> oh. <laughs> wow. 
Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Jesse strikes again. <sighs> but that's it for Let's me for see. the week. That's it for the week. We have any news this week? We do. Who's it brought to us by? Us. When it comes to chargers, power supplies, and charging accessories, there's no one else in the business that is as passionate than Dave over at ProgressiveRC.com. And that's not all he's passionate about. Like us, he believes in supporting those that support him, and that's why he's offering an exclusive 5% discount to our listeners with the coupon code 4RCHN. So when you're ready to step up your charging game, get on over to www.progressiverc.com and add some more power to your hobby. Alrighty, guys, this week's news is brought to you by RC Heli Nation version 2.0. Yeah. What do we got this week, guys? Okay. Uh, we've got a couple things going on here. I'm going to let Justin take some, but for those of you who were curious about the 3D trials, the set maneuvers are posted. They don't have the K values up yet, but you can see a full list of the maneuvers on 3dtrials.us. So head over there, get an idea of what you want to fly to, and start working on them. Is there a couple slots left, Justin? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, definitely go and check out the set maneuvers, but there are, let's see here, there are six slots left, and we got to get those filled up. I mean, you know, uh, we've still got, what, four months, something like that? three and a half, four months until the, the event. And, um, Sean's looking for six more people who want to come and compete. Uh, the, the lineup right now looks really good. I think there's a, a reasonable mix of beginner through advanced and maybe even a couple of experts in there. Uh, but we could certainly use a few more beginners. So guys, you know, if, if you go and look at the website and you see the set maneuvers, first of all, it's not a complete set yet. Sean's working on additional stuff. Uh, second of all, don't get intimidated by some of the scary looking ones. Um, there are more basic maneuvers up there. And honestly, if you would like to see a certain type of maneuver, send Sean an email. I mean, you know, the, he he's he's flexible he's always willing to take feedback uh but yeah get signed up we want to get that competition filled yeah did you guys see so earlier on in the week gowie dropped one of probably the most unimpressive announcements i've ever seen which was <laughs> hey guess what's coming an announcement soon. I just it it was so mocked. It wasn't even funny. People were just like, "So wait a minute, you just took time out of my day to tell me that you're announcing an announcement, an announcement coming soon." Yeah, and I almost feel like the there was so much angst behind it that they 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 announced uh they gave teaser pictures to what they were announcing very soon after <laughs> because people didn't care for it 
But it looks like, well, it doesn't just look like. It's either a toothpick or a speed heli. I'm not quite sure which one. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's a speed. Uh, Do we have an official name on it? I've not seen a name. I've been trying to get information for this thing since it was announced. Uh, They have posted up a couple of additional pictures since the original, and there are some interesting features. I mean, the drivetrain is beefy as hell. Yeah, it's either R-Type or Type R. I'm not sure. Yeah, they they have that label on there, but that's the thing. I've seen that label before on other models or in other advertising. So I don't, okay, maybe that's what it's called. Uh, But I'm definitely interested in this. I mean, I'm never going to slight someone for trying to get into speed. I'd like to see every brand have one. That said... I, I'm I'm curious as to whether this is is it going to be a production run? Is this really for their team guys only? Uh, you know, how serious are they going to take it? I guess is the question I've got. Because you know, I, you talk to people who fly Gowies now, and depending on where you are in the world, the parts availability can be challenged. And I just feel like if if we've got those sorts of issues and we're going to bring out another heli, what are we thinking? Well, I I think that it is, uh, you know, not trying to pick on them, but I, I don't think that it would be fair to bring this up and not mention they have had QC problems. Oh, yeah. And I'm not, I mean, again, I'm not trying to attack them. That's, that's a, that is a fact. That's not something that's, you know. Yeah, absolutely. That's like a deniable. They they have had QC slash vibration slash gear issues in the past. And, you know, the what, what kind of gives me a little bit of concern right off the bat is there's there is zero margin for that in speed stuff. None. Because if it lets go. I mean, we're not we're not talking about like, oh, I took my X3 out there in the L, you know, uh, elevator ball snapped off the swatch plate and it, it nose dove in on takeoff. Right. Oh, this really sucks. Oops. I'm going to bitch, bitch and moan, but okay, I'm going to go order the parts. I'll make a rant on the forum and have it back together and fly it. If these things fail in the air, I, I mean, people are just going to bail on them. Well, and it can injure people. Yeah. Now, I mean, that said, my understanding, not having owned a Gowie, is that when they do have QC issues, they have tried to fix them fairly rapidly, but I don't know. That is correct. I mean, I if if you're a Gowie owner, fanboy, or hater, I'd love to hear from you guys on email. But, uh, you know, there was no shortage of poking and prodding at them on their Facebook. And in fact, there's there's one on the on the first picture, which just it shows like a, a front view of the canopy and it's a solid model. It's not a real thing. So it's shaded and you can't really see all that much. And there are all these bunches of people that are like, oh, that's awesome. Holy crap. I want one. And then someone says stock of parts would be great for existing helis. Dot, dot, dot. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) yeah. And that I got to be honest. That was the first thing I thought of, too. Yeah, that's fair. So, hey, I doesn't mean I may not want to get one but I'm not sure I'll be a first adopter. Yeah. 
Well, my X5 was, uh, I never had problems getting parts for it. My only complaint with that was the price. Uh, and with the caveat is if you happen to have a bad enough crash where you break both halves of the upper and lower frame, which I did, then it gets really freaking expensive, almost rekit expensive. Yeah, they're not the cheapest, but they're, I mean, now what we've kind of gotten used to, I wouldn't say they're, I mean, it's definitely not more expensive to crash than like a, a goblin would be, I don't feel. Yeah, probably not. But it's belted tail, which I, that's, that's really cool. Although the only goblin I've crashed was a 500 and it wasn't even mine. Um, it crashes, it crashed really well. I mean, I got to tell you that, uh, that designed, uh, you know, soft point in the tail there is really nice, that nylon bolt. Mm Mm-hmm. That one saved my ass the last time. That's for sure. I've had actually really good luck. With goblin crashes, like really, really good luck. Yeah, but speed crashes, it doesn't yeah, make a, a difference what the model is. Matter. No, you might as well just shoot it with a 50 cal right out of the air. I mean, it's going to yep. be bad. I can't <sighs> even imagine. Oh, I don't uh, want to imagine. It's delicious, man. I'd love to see a good speed crash. Oh, Dan, you're I, killing you me. You know, man. there's. Please make sure it's on video. Part of me. Like, I don't want to because I wouldn't want anyone to go through it. But I kind of want to see one because this. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. No. Well, I mean, it's, you know, it's no different than. Same reason we watch NASCAR and they pay millions of dollars for those cars. Yeah, it's no different than watching someone do a shocker and just driving it into the ground. I mean, you know it hurts, but it's still kind of. Kind of cool. Yeah, it is kind of cool. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah so i don't know it'll be interesting to see how this one develops justin staying quiet i'm not gonna acknowledge it i'm thinking happy thoughts <laughs> so justin <laughs> you got some more stuff up here what do you got Ah, uh, yes okay so next up is actually it's it's more speed information it's funny nick you and i were talking on the phone today about ah, why isn't mini copter doing more Diablo speeds. I brought that up. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like there would be a demand for it. You know, speeds coming up in popularity here as a, as a sport within the sport. And sure enough, the same day I was talking to one of my, uh, Diablo speed buddies and he said, Oh, did you hear that GERD is doing another limited production run? So here we go. Minicopter just announced that they're going to be doing a run of about 12 additional Diablo speeds. Uh, You can order them now uh, from peakaircraft.com, Chuck Burt's site. They all come in uh, custom color options that you can choose, and one of them is going to be a carbon fuselage. Only one. And I think it's a first-come, first-serve. I don't get that. One. Just one, dude. See, they should make all of these have carbon fuselage. And that would make it even more expensive. But yeah, so well, actually, you There's know what? I don't know if it would, because if you go to the Peak Aircraft link that we'll have in the show notes, it's got the price up there. It's 2500 bucks per airframe, just the same as the original. <laughs> 
And do I buy a commuter car or a helicopter? And and here's the deal. It says uh, comes in the following color options, and it's like black, blue, white, whatever. You know, carbon fiber. And it and then it says in parentheses, only one carbon fiber fuselage will be made. But it doesn't specify that there's any difference in price. So maybe this. Maybe they're going to do something tricky. That Maybe they're going to make 12 of them, and one random lucky person is going to end up with a carbon fuse. Ooh. I don't know. Oh, that would be pretty cool. That would be. So, hey, Nick. Here's your opportunity, man. Dude. I feel like if I'm spending that kind of money, I should get a pick if I want a carbon one or not. You Well, you can. <laughs> Call up Chuck. He'll set you up. I'm spending that kind of money. I'm getting a lot more than a helicopter. Let me tell you that. Yeah. Yeah, that's just the airframe. It doesn't come with blades or anything else. I'm thinking happy yeah, ending. I'm thinking happy I, ending. You think so? It's like yeah. I, I can I can get the helicopter, but I'm gonna have to put Hobby King servos in that thing. <laughs> Nine dollar analog servos. That would be that's priceless. A, that's little, a, midget should, a little midget should jump out of the box when I open it up and give me Frickin a happy nano, ending while I'm building it. Techs and analog Hobby King servos. <laughs> Why? Do this. And an aligned what? motor. Yep, we're throwing a K bar on this bitch. Okay. <laughs> with a uh, with a uh, Turnigy orange transmitter. Oh, and Woody's. Well, okay, fine. Woody's. You're not interested, but I know there's someone out there that uh, is. So if you are listening 12. to this and you want a Diablo Speed, get on it. I will not be buying one. So next up. There, uh, it, this is actually something that Dan found on Facebook, and I'll talk about it. I don't really have much to say. Maybe you can jump in, Dan. There was a, a recent post on Facebook uh, about a new helicopter concept called the Takumi 700CF. And it actually kind of looks like a speed-ish type heli. Looks like it's a full fuselage, almost TDR looking. Mm-hmm. And he's got a couple of solid models uh, up there, solid model images of the design. And then one picture that actually shows a, an, a CNC machined pulley, like a gear or a pulley. Uh, so it does look like he's building parts of it. But uh, in, one of the, in one of the picture comments, it says that uh, he is looking for someone who wants to build it but it's too complicated and expensive for mass production. So Dan and I, I think, concluded that this dude is just coming up with a cool design, but there may actually be nothing behind it. Well, also, too, if you look on his Facebook page, shortly after those pictures, he's asking for help setting up a Castle 160 with a Contronic motor. <laughs> so I'm guessing that I'm guessing it's just a guy with an idea. And he's playing around with his uh, cam program. And that's cool. Yeah, yeah that's where it's got to start. But it, it is also kind of like a cock tease. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like is, that a a low, is that a dick joke? That that was a dick joke. Mm. Yep. Just checking. Mm. That's what all I've got? got. You got is anything, it? Dan? Do I seriously have to be the one to talk about the pink elephant under the chair? 
the pink elephant under the chair. Are you guys what? seriously not going to bring up the big news of the week? What might that be? I feel like that you should bring it up. I'm thinking you should I, bring it up. I know. Well, here's know. the deal. And here's all I'm going to say. Um, Heli Freak got sold. Big news, right? Big no, news. No one really Pretty saw it coming. News. I really don't have an opinion on it. And I think that, um, you know, people should just kind of hide and watch and see what happens. Whether you think it's a good thing or you think it's a bad thing, I think we just kind of need to just relax and see where it goes. Hey, Dan. Mm-hmm. I got a big-ass opinion on it. Do you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do. Let me hear um, I'm excited. And you know why? Because I think I think I, think I know why, but... Uh, you think I, I you think? I think I think. I think I think you think. Justin. What do you think about that? Goddamn engineers. Shut up. Seriously. Um, I am excited because I... I it's potential for a lot of people that um, to get, you know, potentially a, a second opportunity to be a part of Heli Freak. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, yeah. myself included. I mean, God damn, dude. I spent the first three, four years of my hobby on there. That stinking Beast X tuning guide has like 120,000 views or something. And at the end of the day, I love nothing more than helping people. And I still cruise around on Heli Freak. And it really does kind of bother me that I see questions and I it, it would take 10 seconds. Oh, here, do this, 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 and this. Yep, you're good to go. Have a good day. Help someone out. Save them some frustration and just be right along my way. And I, I think it's unfortunate that I know for a fact that there are other people out there that feel that way as well. That, you know, for whatever reason it was, uh, you know, didn't get along with one of the mods and or, you know, Will or whatever. I mean, I if that's what, if ultimately, if selling it is what Will wanted to do, then I'm happy for him. There's zero question, and I want to make this very clear. Zero question that he has not put a lot of time and effort into Heli Freak and has, um, without question, in my opinion, turned it into the biggest Heli forum out there, period. It is a very valuable resource to this hobby, mm-hmm. and I really recognize that. So, you know, if he sold it, that means that... um to me, that means that he got out of it what he wanted. Uh, I, you know, I hope he got for it what he wanted, and I think it's really cool that you know he decided to sell it. You know, maybe he just got up one day and said, "Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm done. I don't have that drive anymore." I mean, we've all been there. Well, actually, you know? he he did post and mention that he needs to get back to basics and and you know go and do this for his family. And, you know, I got to I got to commend him for it because there are a lot of people, you know, not even talking about helis. Right. There are a lot of people in professional situations where they are struggling with the work life balance, you know, deal. 
And mm-hmm. most people won't pull the trigger and do that and let their profession go uh, or let it decrease um, so that they can do what most would agree is the right thing. So, you know, good for him. Well, and then an unfortunate byproduct of that is trying to hold on to it too long and then you start getting emotions involved and that's when you start making, you know, uh, quick decisions and not thinking stuff through and it just, it ends up being very muddled. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think it's a great thing. I have just done a little bit of research on the new owner. He's the guy, you know, it's um, the owner of RC Groups and Flying Giants hope to God they don't change the format. I mean, man, I hope they don't change the Boy, format. Boy, there's been a lot of complaining It was on pretty that. funny. It's like, hey, congratulations, RC Groups just bought Heli Freak in it immediately. Well, that's fine, but you better not change the format. You better, I mean, post after post after post. <laughs> People introduce yep. themselves by telling that guy, don't change the format. It was pretty... Uh, Pretty opinionated and harsh, but yeah, I mean, I agree completely. Um, I love the format. the The, the problem where you know where the, here, you know I, I've seen a few posts by some listeners. Can't wait for this next week's show because you know I'm I'm assuming that you know it's a it's a touchy subject because there's politics, right? Got to stay out mm-hmm. of politics, and I. I mean, that's why I'm of the opinion of, I'm just, I, it's, to me, it's all the same. Um, I, I still stand by, I really don't have an opinion on it one way or the other. Uh, I, and I'm going to hide and watch and see what happens. And I'm just, it'll either, it'll be a good thing. Maybe, maybe at some point in time, I can actually come back to that community. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be great. Cause as you said, Nick, I spent my first four years daily combing that forum yeah and you kind of you you dealt with the whole heli freak thing a lot different you know i'm a i'm just in it i'm a socialite so i you know there's very rarely a day that goes by that even though after all the you know the bad stuff happened i was still on there looking around and i know that you didn't you didn't do that you've been very very separated yeah, on purpose. From it, I, as... I, I don't, I, I do not go on to Heli Freak. I, I occasionally get links um, that I'm unable to see um, because of incidents in the past that have happened, but I can see them on my phone if I choose to. But I just yeah. choose not to. Uh, I just yeah. don't. Um, it, I feel like in the past, every time, I don't know how it happens, and I just, I just don't want to be involved. Yeah. So I'm thinking that um, I'm thinking that in the long run probably will be a good thing. I mean, uh, new blood always brings new ideas, new a new vigor. You know, uh, ready to to make things happen, so to speak. And um, and let's we'll I think you know we'll see what happens. Um, yep, change is good. Yep. I think he's got the potential. Um, oh yeah. He he has in his hands a very very valuable tool, and it could be, you know, back up to its status of old, with the numbers back up. It it really is his to lose at this point. Yep. 
because it is a fantastic i mean fantastic resource there is just no question you just can't yeah. can't can't deny that yeah it's kind of it's like getting a new coach you know what i mean you you've got all the players you have the team you have all the you've got everything at your disposal just sometimes it you know that that breath of fresh air and you, you feel like you get that clean start and everyone's maybe doom and gloom attitude that they had before they're willing to set it aside and people look at it from a, a positive, positive thing. And I, I think it'll be great. And I, I wish, you know, I wish Will the best of luck at whatever he does from here on out. Well, that's it. No, no Bruce Jenner mentioned. No, no, <laughs> oh, I don't want to, man. No. 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 Next. You guys are harsh, man. You guys a hero, right? Yeah. <laughs> I tuck my transmitter between my legs so I get to be a hero too. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll did, pay did, for it. Did he tuck it? I thought he was going to get it removed eventually. Well, they kind of do know. tuck it. They can't. Oh, is that what happens? Yeah. Sorry, I'm not I'm not well versed on Oh, I dude, that let's sort of not thing. Go there. On that thing. I remember let's... when I became a woman. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. I know all about that stuff. <laughs> so that's it for news, huh? That's it. Alright guys, this week's news is brought to you by RC Heli Nation. BK servos offer a value not yet seen in the industry. For less than a hundred dollars. You get a super fast servo with plenty of torque, lightweight, compact, and unique CNC design with excellent centering. There is just nothing on the market like this today. So if you want to experience great value and industry-leading support, head over to www.bkservo.com and check them out. Part two. Conversation continues. Yeah. Let me uh, see what we're talking about here. You even remember what we were talking about? More Uh, beginner stuff. We were talking about stuff. Heli related stuff. (laughs) Heli related stuff. We were talking about. Wow. As a beginner, there's so much new stuff to take in. And, you know, all of the terms and. Endpoints, sub trims, C ratings, voltages, you know, what is a milliamp? Power so I mean it's just it gets very, very overwhelming. And a lot of times you get so caught up in learning the acronyms and learning what everything is that it's just like, ah, okay, stop. So what we did last week, uh, for those of you that missed it, is we kind of started breaking down some of the more basic stuff. Weeding out the more advanced stuff and just trying to go over some of the more basic terms. We covered, you know, the size. Okay, what what's your best size to start off with? Uh, we talked about radios and, you know, the more common settings inside of them. We went over batteries, C ratings, and milliamp and voltage cell counts, uh, chargers and power supplies. So this week, I think uh, next on our list is speed controllers, or ESCs. Yay! Sweet. Yeah, so who would like to lead us off with that one? ESCs are black magic. They just work. <laughs> you just hook a battery up to it, into it, and you get shit out of it. That's exactly How's it. How's it run? Oh, it runs on FM. 
<laughs> FM? Like the radio? No. Fucking magic. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, come <laughs> on. Oh. <laughs> nice. uh, no. Okay, uh, so ESCs. Let's first, Justin, define for me because we hear this. Ter- this is probably one of the most th- thrown around set of terms in this hobby, and it has so many different meanings. It's not even funny. High voltage versus low voltage. Seriously? Yeah. You keep hitting me with these really interesting ones. Like last week, you wanted a conversion between amp hours and milliamp hours. And now we're doing high versus low. So let's, we're on a basic show. Can you tone it down or do we need to build a rocket to? No, no, I'm I'm good with it. I'm good with it. Uh, (laughs) High voltage is high and low voltage is low. This (laughs) is good. Sorry. Okay. No, but, but, but seriously. I'm going to slap the encyclopedia. You know, the high and low voltage thing, it really depends on what you're talking about. And, and it, it, it depends in particular on the context servos versus ESCs and such. Um, on an ESC, generally speaking, it's considered a low voltage ESC if it is uh, below 6 to 8S or 6 to 8 cells, uh, which is right around 22 to 25 volts. High-voltage ESCs are typically uh, capable of 12 to 14S, and there's a very select few that can do higher than that. Uh, And so when you're up at 12 and 14 cells, we're looking at uh, between 50 and 60 volts. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's exactly what we mean by high and low voltage. And really the the big difference there, um, also what you'll find is when you go from high to low voltage, you generally will see a beefier, a larger ESC, um, not just because going to the high voltages generally goes along with increase in total power output, but also because when you are designing or building an electronic system, uh, the components typically increase in size as the voltage uh, rating of those components increase. For example, on capacitors. Uh, and you got to house them all in the same thing so the the box grows. Yeah. Now... You know, once we get we, you know, we decide. Okay, I'm. I need a low voltage ESC. So then comes the big question of: Am I going to mess with a governor? Period. Do I need a governor when I'm starting out or not? And then what about an internal governor? Or do I go with an external? But I'm still not. I'm still pretty new, so I don't even know what that is. And then do they all, like, if it has a governor, is that good enough? Or are some better than others? Yeah, well, the governor, the governor's a really interesting one. Uh, you can get, for the purposes of this conversation, if we're saying internal governor, we're talking about a governor that is in the ESC itself. External governor means that you're running the... the uh, the governor off of a flybarless system. So nowadays there are a number of flybarless systems that have external governors, the V bar, the icon, the skookum, what else? All the good ones. Oh, yeah, thanks. Don't worry. <laughs> Mine's coming, buddy. 
<laughs> Famous um, last and, words. And and with with a governor, what you're looking for is how well it performs in terms of holding the head speed. Before we get into that, to answer the question on the beginner side, Nick, of do I need a governor or not? You know what? It all depends on what you're doing. If all you're doing is hovering or doing some mild sports flight, no, you don't need a governor. You can set up a flat throttle curve on your radio or a V-curve, depending on whether you got an electric or a nitro, uh, and you will get, as long as you're not throwing your collective sticks around too hard, you will get the model to perform fairly well. Now, when you start getting into more aggressive maneuvers, uh, where you're loading and unloading, then that's when you're really going to need to to look at getting a governor. When you get to that point, uh, not all governors are created equal. Uh, there are ESC internal governors that perform well, and there are those that perform not so well. On the external governor side of things, I think they are generally much more consistent from a performance standpoint. And so it's it's less likely you're going to get an external governor in your fly barless system that after a certain amount of tuning is not flying uh, pretty darn good. Yeah. Some have BECs inside of them and some don't. So why would I want one that does or why would I not want one that does? Again, it comes it comes down to personal preference. BEC stands for Battery Eliminating Circuit. It is uh, a little switching power supply usually that takes the uh, flight pack voltage in from your big flight packs and converts that down to a 5 to 8 volt level so that you can run your fly barless systems, receiver, and servos. Uh, a lot of the a lot of the ESCs come with BECs. Uh, it's more common uh, that you see BECs in the lower voltage and less common in the higher voltage, although that's not always the case. And why would you want one in your, in your ESC? Well, for one, if you've decided you don't want to go with a receiver pack, power everything which again personal preference i don't like them it's one more thing i got to worry about and have to think about charging uh you get rid of the receiver pack you got to power your communications and your servos in a certain way the bec in the in the esc gives you the benefit of not having a whole bunch of extra crap you don't have a separate module and they're not huge but they do take up space and they can be a pain to mount. You don't have a bunch of separate input and output wires. Basically, all you've got is a lead or two, at least a master, sometimes a slave that goes along with it, that runs the throttle signal as well as the power out of the ESC and into your fly barless system or receiver. Finally, I think we come to the programming because all speed controllers have settings inside of them different modes that they can be put in, like we talked about the governor, if we're going to engage that or not. And so, I mean, do they all kind of program the same, or is there something, or is there differences we should be aware of? Almost all of the ESCs out there that I know and have worked with can be programmed uh, with what's called stick programming. 
and that is basically you power up the ESC, and with each ESC, it's a little bit different, each brand, but there's either a sequence of steps that you need to do, or you pull a jumper out, or you click a button on the side of the ESC, and it enters into programming mode. And once you get into programming mode, it is looking for the throttle signal from your radio. And so uh, low stick versus high stick will act as a, basically as a, a command or a button, if you will, to go into and out of menus and to set different values. And so you get your ESC manual and it'll tell you, you know, here's all the stick programming details. Usually it's a table that says, you know, BEC voltage and pulse width modulation frequency and all sorts of different stuff. And you can just progress down through the programming with your sticks and never even have to plug it into a computer. Now, there are ESCs out there that uh, can be plugged into computers. Castle's a really shining example Mm -hmm. of that. They have a a Castle Link software where you plug it in through USB and you can do all of your programming and your governor tuning there. Contronic does as well. Uh, or you can use Contronic's little prog disc, which is kind of like a, just like a handheld programming console. Sweet. Nice. And I much prefer the uh, software. I, I'm a big fan of visual confirmation. Oh, yeah. Me too. Well, that and it, it always, <laughs> at least for me, it makes me a little nervous when you got to accept that setting and go to full high stick. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> on the speed yeah. program. Okay, I really hope I'm actually in programming mode. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've done stick programming so much that it doesn't bother me much anymore, but I hear you, Jesse. That has always been something. I mean, whenever you've got the motor engaged and you move yep. away from low stick, whether it's programming or not, it always makes me nervous. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't care what people, you know, oh, Jive, you can, pro- it's so easy, I can do it with my eyes closed. Well, I would still rather drag out a laptop and plug in my castle, take my time. You know, I'm, I always feel rushed by the beeps. It's like, wait, was that two or that three? Exactly. I, Did I count wrong? You've got Did I focus. count wrong? Yeah, because I'm oh, like, yeah. one beep, two beep. Oh, look at the trees. Oh, crap. Now what? Now I got to start all over. I can't pay attention that long. Yeah, and the one that always gets mm-hmm. me, as many times as I've done it, it still bugs me. The cosmic, it beeps in numbers representing the mode number, right? And so there's a mode one, there's a mode two, mode three, mode four, and then there's a mode six and a mode ten. And so if I'm not paying attention and I get past a certain number of beeps, it goes from mode you know, four to mode six, I feel like I've missed something. And mm-hmm. I gotta I gotta sit there and let it recycle all the way back through again to make sure that I got what I needed. So I agree. Programming via computer or a little USB connect, you know, a programming mm-hmm. box is a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so moving on from speed controllers, now we come to motors. And I think the you know, more than likely the the two most common things that we see are uh what is kv like what does that mean if i see 1100 kv okay how does that relate to you know to my model and then how how do i know what cell count 
that motor is. I mean, is it a, people say, is it a 6S motor? Is it a 3S motor? Um, so, you know, Jesse, can you kind of give us a rundown on that? Yeah, so first off, just, I mean, the very basics of, you know, the units of what KV actually means is it's the revolution or the RPM, revolutions per minute or RPM per volt of basically the battery or the power source that is hooked up to it. So for the same KV motor, if you hook up a higher voltage battery or source, you will get a higher RPM from the motor. So KV RPM per volt. And so kind of using that, you can quickly kind of calculate, okay, what's my pack voltage, 100% throttle, work through the KV and calculate the RPMs at the motor. Now to address the, you know, kind of, okay, now, now that we know, you know, what the KV means, what cell count is this motor rated at? And honestly, I think this one, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe this, this kind of comes back to what RPMs the motor's actually rated for based on what physically are the bearings and everything, the, the physical mechanics of the motor rated on, and then how much cooling can the motor do at those RPMs. So that's going to kind of physically, mechanically limit the cell count of the motor. And most often, I think when you're shopping around for motors, um, just from my past experience, it does seem to list kind of the maximum cell count that you can use, um, I guess, for that brushless motor. Yeah, but it's... From the from the shopping I've done, at it, least. It's more of a... I feel like they do that for... How do I put it? Justin, it, it's not a technicality. It's more of a, okay, we know that you know this is a 700 class, so mm-hmm. therefore um, with the gearing options out on the market for the majority of the helicopters today, this is a 12S motor. Yeah. But that's, that's not... That's all they're saying. That's not yeah. really true because the motor will handle 50 volts. It's, it's just, just going to spin faster or it's going to spin yeah, slower. Yeah, there's, there's on no what gearing you, out there for to have you not over rev it. And that's the yeah. key. It's not a, you know, I've had people talk to me and think that, oh, crap, you know, if I put this motor on 14S, I'm going to short the wires because they can't hold off, you know, 60 volts or 59 volts. No, that that's not at all what no. this is about. It is all RPM. And depending on whether it's an in-runner or an out-runner, the, you know, the limiting factor could be your bearings. It could be your magnets, right, on the can or on the sta- on the uh, rotor, rather. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. it, it, well, the other thing could be the cooling. Like, if you run it too slow, the fan may not be aggressive enough to keep the motor properly cooled. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Absolutely. So, Jesse, I want to back you up just a little bit. And I want to go back to the KV rating thing real fast. And you yep. you mentioned a a bit of a math. Can you can you give us a an example? Uh, just just use round numbers. I mean, easy numbers. But give me an give give me a yeah. Well, I mean, the the simple equation would be uh, revolution. So the, the units of KV is revolutions over volts or per volt. So to get into just straight RPMs of the motor, you would take your KV rating, which is in revolutions per volt, times your voltage of your source, and then those two units would cancel out both volts, and you'd just be left with revolutions of the motor. 
So that's how... Basically, KV times voltage will give you your revolutions of the wall. Do you wish there was a fly barless system that could make you throw down like a pro? Well, now there is. The Spartan Vortex Fly Barless System is offering some of the most advanced features seen on the market today, making sure that you will be flying like a pro in no time. So what are you waiting for? Go and get your Vortex Fly Barless System today. Results may vary based on pitch, response time, age, head speed, brand of heli, time of the year, crash budget, number of friends cheering you on, size of helicopter, temperature, wind, servos, weight of heli, willingness to take risks. Contact your favorite hobby shop about getting your Spartan Fly Barless System today. For more information, check out www.bkdesignsllc.com. So, moving along, we mentioned uh, at the beginning, we were talking about internal versus external governor, but we're going to go a little bit deeper into what a governor does. Nick, why don't you tell us, kind of start from the beginning and tell us, you know, all about governors, uh, headroom, pinions, all that stuff. How do you figure all that stuff out? Yeah, I, I think headroom is the big voodoo, you know, and, and headroom and pinion count. Well, how do I know what pinion, what pinion? Well, you you do kind of need to go back and have that understanding of the basics of the motor to know, you know, what kind of RPM range the motor's capable of working in with your gear ratio or available pinions. Usually we're talking about um only having the option of swapping out the pinion gear. You know, very rarely is it a main gear difference. So what you kind of do is, you know, you take your gear ratio and you are trying to gear your mechanical setup to give you what we call X amount of headroom. Now, headroom is, okay, at wide open, 100% throttle, with this given KV motor, that will give me X amount of head speed available period. So like if I'm wide open throttle, I'm going to get, let's just say 2,500 RPM out of it. Okay. Well, I obviously don't want to run at 2,500 RPM. I want to run less than that. Okay. Well, the governor is going to do its best. Let's say you set it at 2,200. The governor is going to be constantly moving the throttle up and down as you fly and you load the head and unload the head to try and maintain, you know, your desired RPM. Well, the headroom is how much RPM does the governor have to work with? You know, if we go back to our 2,500 RPM reference and we say, okay, um, I want 2,400 RPM, but I'm only capable of doing 2,500 RPM, we've really limited our headroom. That means the governor's going to be constantly banging against the 100% throttle output mark, and it's not going to give us very good flight performance. It's going to be less governor-ish and more flat throttle curve-ish. Um, but then on the other side of it, if we give it too much headroom, some speed controllers are capable of handling that. Those are called they they have what's called active freewheeling. And they allow you to run down to um, much lower throttle percentages. Uh, Contronic, Scorpion, um, oh, geez. And then on the other YGE, that's right. On the other side of it, there are ones that are not, uh, Castle probably being the big one, that they don't like lower uh, throttle percentages. So 
you know, what you're kind of shooting for, a good rule of thumb and starting point is about 20% headroom. Really cool part, Castle in their software helps you tremendously with this. And they have a great calculator in there where it'll actually tell you, no, you're too low. Okay, yes, you're too high. There's not enough headroom. Probably the single best resource I have ever found is Mr. Mel's head speed calc. You can search that on Google and you will find it. He's got apps in the Google uh, App Store and the iOS App Store and the Apple App Store. Mr. Mel's head speed calc. It walks you through. You put your cell count in. You put everything in there. And you actually choose what sort of governor. And then it'll spit out. Um, okay, here's here's the RPM range in which um, it's going to work the best. Or you can go backwards from it and say, hey, help me find my pinion. So when you're picking motors out, you really need and, and tuning your governor to get the best performance out of it. You need to be aware of what pinions are available to you. That's my first thing. Find out what pinions I can get for this helicopter. Is it a 12, 13, and a 14? And then pick your motor KV to get you, you know, try and shoot for the middle of that. If I have a 12, 13, and a 14 available, I'm going to pick a motor KV that's going to get me to my desired head speed on the 13 tooth. So that maybe later on, if I choose to go higher, I have that option. Or if I choose to go lower, I have that option. So kind of pick for that middle. You know, internal and external governor, Justin, we, Justin kind of touched on that. Oh, man, it's tricky. Internal governors, I think, are far more speed controller specific, whether they are good or not. You have your great ones like the... You know, pretty much any of the Contronics, the Cosmic or the Heli Jive is probably about the most strived for in the industry. Um, Castle, sufficient when you're learning, not so sufficient later on. Uh, you know, YGE makes a great one. I've heard the Hobby Wing is really good. Um, most of the external ones, Icon, Skookum, V-Bar. Um, am I missing any? Those are the more common ones work. I mean, they work great. They've got them really dialed in. Um, just make sure that your speed controller, uh, it's a lot nicer if it has the capability of RPM output on it, built into it. Then you don't have to run a face sensor. Excellent. So now we have fly barless systems. And boy, are there a lot of choices. Shoo, buddy. And, uh, you know, the nice thing about... Um, the systems that are, you know, the more modern systems, the current systems. Uh, programming uh, is not what it used to be. It used to be uh, back in the 4.0 days of VBAR, stuff like that, where you had to download a 72-page PDF to uh, <laughs> figure out how to tune it, you know, uh, or how to program it. Uh, generally, the, the user interfaces for most, all of them, are fairly easy to understand. Would you guys not agree with that? I completely yeah, agree. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, uh, uh, the software that most of these have, and, you know, even if we get into, like, the AR7200BX, the Spectrum Flybarless System, and the BSTEX, that manual is a great manual, walking you through each yeah, step. You only need one page out of that manual to get it set up, which is nice. 
Yeah. Uh, and got that table. It's fantastic. It's just, it's a, they're all, the softwares are so, I mean, if you, it's almost to the point where if you can read Mm -hmm. and you understand the concept of confirming your gyro directions when you're done, it's going to fly and not crash. It's it's at least going to fly. Yeah. Yeah. Which, go ahead, Dan. You know, one thing that I, I guess I, I don't know, I think they've had them uh, hover over a ability on the user interfaces where you hover over uh, a, a parameter and mm-hmm. it typically will give you a pretty detailed explanation. I actually, um, with the icon, I was noticing that um, those hover, those the ability to hover over those parameters really helps you understand uh, the more complex PIDs and stuff like that as well. So, I mean, yeah. you know, it, it, yep, it, it gives you a, it explains it in such a way where you, it just makes sense. It, you understand what that particular parameter will do. How to, yeah, it, you know, it'll tell you if it'll tell you what to look for, uh, if you know, you're going too high with it or what'll happen if you're going too low with it. And, uh, there's the default settings, uh, pretty much while speaking from the icon, they're good. I mean, you can just tell it what size helicopter, and uh, it may not be tuned to a more advanced flyer's liking, but uh, as Nick mentioned, if uh, the swash is collecting or correcting in the right direction, it's going to fly, and it's probably going to fly pretty decently for a new, for yeah, a new guy. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The, the default settings have come so far. I mean, you know, the the... the the flywireless systems that have that heli size option in the beginning, I think think people kind of get a little bit of voodoo about that. It's like, oh, well, what if I changed it or what? You know, it's not what it's doing is that it's just giving you all of those initial settings that you're like, well, I don't know where I should put this on this one. I've never flown mm-hmm. this before. Where should I? It puts them in the ballpark, and that to me, that's got to be one of the biggest. Uh, trends and innovations in fly barless systems over the last year or two is how well they are dialing their default settings in to make it a better user experience. Because, I mean, you want to get someone to tear off a fly barless system fast, give them a bad maiden. Yeah. Or, yeah. or a challenge tuning it. Yeah, right? Because absolutely. it may not be difficult to tune, but if your default settings are crappy, i.e. you're starting in the wrong spot for tuning, you could be chasing your tail. And that that plays a big role. Pun intended? Pun intended. Yeah. It's like, Pun intended. Literally. Absolutely. <laughs> but, then, but then what about overall, I mean, overall tuning, tuning options, I feel like, are a very double-edged sword. I mean, at, at what mm. point are, sometimes I feel like, you know, damn it. Don't give me so many options because <laughs> I'm getting overwhelmed. But on the other side, uh, you know, is there such a thing as too many tuning options? Well, let me, let me, let me, yes. let me tell you about some wise advice I got from some douchebag named Nick Len way back in the day <laughs> when I was, um, as you all remember, I was, I was a late convert. Uh, and I decided to give it a go. And um, 
I was told by Nick to go with the defaults and don't worry about tuning it until you start realizing that you need an improvement in one particular area and then just focus on that. Like if you're noticing that there's something about a particular characteristic that you just don't like, mm-hmm. focus on it and learn about how to fix that issue. And then as you progress, you'll start to know mm-hmm. what you need to yep. do. And it yeah, takes in, away that. In your tuning. Yeah, in the tuning. It takes away the whole mystification. Is that a word? It's a word today. Sure. Uh, of the whole, you know, because all those options, especially for a new person, is really daunting because you're like, what's going to happen if I move this slider like an inch this way? You know, is it really just going to screw my program up? Well, if you leave it at the defaults and you fly it as a new person, you'll start to know when you need something improved and then you can start chasing that issue. Yeah. Or, I mean, another big mistake is going after all of the advanced tuning first. Yeah. Big. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I learned this one again. I I seem to be keep giving myself a rude reminder. Uh, with the switch from 5.3 to 6.0, I'm like, ooh, I got to <laughs> go in automatically and put this in and put this in because on V-Bar, it's always going to be this. Wrong answer, dumbass. It's a completely different firmware. Uh-uh. Go in only touch the main gains. Get it to the best that you can till you've ran those gains through too high and too low. Then stop when you've exhausted those and go into the advanced stuff. And I think you will find that the systems that are out now, I mean, they're great. You know, they really are great. And you can get them really close. But that does... Okay, that kind of leads into the question of does this system that you have chosen have enough capability to grow with you? I mean, if it might fly great right now as a newbie or as a sport pilot, but if you're going towards 3D or, you know, you want to start learning TikToks, I mean, can you even tune out some of these things? And that's that's a tough one because... As we've mentioned on other episodes, spending the time learning to tune a fly barless system is an investment of time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you want to find the one that's easy to tune, but at the same time, you're not really going to grow out of, too. And I, th- I think another aspect to look at, so not only from the flight characteristics side, you know, growing out of the fly barless system, like you mentioned, not being able to tune out, you know, let's say there's that head bobble that you just can't get rid of or let's say the tail just isn't quite as dialed in as you want so there's there's that aspect of maybe outgrowing the fly barless system but also like the expandability or i don't know kind of the cool feature getting the telemetry or bank switching and all the other kind of features that you want to look at too when you're considering a fly barless unit and you know as you begin to grow you know, if, if the flying capabilities are there, are there in the fly barless system, you're definitely going to start looking at those other avenues and just, you know, wanting more from the fly barless system in other ways as well. So looking at the entire spectrum of features that it has to offer can be really important. Oh, yeah. Big time. And I think the probably the biggest one, and I'm dead serious, doesn't matter what stickers on the front of it, it's what can you get readily available help with. 
Indeed. Period. Yeah. That is a huge factor. If all your if you have a local field and everyone out there flies icon, I'm gonna tell you right now it's gonna be in your best interest to fly icon. Get an icon. It's true. (laughs) Because you can learn on any of them. That's right. Once you and that's the cool part. If you really spend some time to learn and understand, okay, what my P gain does, what my I gain does, what you know, stop gains and this and that, you can apply it to any of the fly wireless systems out there. Now, you know, they might react a little bit different, but it's not going to be like you have to learn everything, you know, from complete and total scratch. But that's a big one. I mean, yeah. And that's coming from a diehard V-Bar guy. If all your guys out of your field are flying, you know, uh, buying them fly uh, blade stuff, you guys got 450Xs or 360s, well, I'm just not quite sure if I should, you know, I've heard that V-Bar or BD or whatever is the best. I I, I think I should fly that. Well, you're going to be on your own, and that's going to be frustrating. Make it harder. And if you guys are all learning together, then I would I would stay with that until, you know, you have some friends that maybe you're ready to switch with it, or you found an online resource that can, you know, that can give you the help to do it. That is huge. Because it is really, really hard to outfly a fly barless system these days. Very hard. Easy for Je- Jesse, tough for the rest of us. <laughs> kidding. Outfly it, meaning I just, it gets ahead of me and it crash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that one more topic, guys. Blades. Who wants to tackle this one? Oh, Justin, go for it. Blades. Well, there's a there's a lot of stuff to talk about blades. Um, to start with, the material is a is a big key. Now, back in the day, you might have heard of woodies, wooden blades, or even f- like glass fiber fiber. Raise your glass raise your hand blades. if you've ever built your own set of wooden blades. Oh. I'm raising my hand. Are you raising your no, hand I, now? What What I did you build you were them on, Dan? Were they like, did you go and get some lumber from Home Depot? No, you'd buy kits. You would buy like Thunder Tiger kits and it would come, it would have the root and you would have to, <laughs> a, two by you would have to epoxy <laughs> the roots onto the blade and then you would have to cover and heat shrink the blades. Are you serious? Absolutely. You've never done that? And then I'd fly the shit out of them. And hover by the fly the shit out of them, you mean, you mean hover. like hover the shit out? <laughs> figure eights? <laughs> no, not even that, man. It's, oh no, that's too much. Wow, to break I was happy just to hover them. Yeah, no, okay. It, so it, the beginners listening to this, be glad that you're not beginning with that garbage. Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you. There's an advantage to this, um, especially if you're. Well, it's an archaic advantage, but nonetheless, I feel it's an advantage. You know, when you're starting out like I did and there was nobody around and, you know, you knew you were going to be crashing a lot and we was before Sims, well, where people were using Sims more regularly and they didn't have, we didn't have micros. Uh, I would much rather crash, you know, a $25 set of woodies when I was learning to hover as opposed to destroying, you know, a $100 set of carbon fibers. Yep. Yeah, I don't think that's that old of a theory. I took the same approach with my uh, T-Rex 450. I flew Woody's on there for all the way until oh, I started yeah, those... hovering. In, I, I even did hovering inverted and inverted figure eights with wooden blades. 
Yeah, I forgot about those. Do you remember a line had those like the plastic? Yes. Yes. Embed, like the carbon impregnated plastic version of those now, two. Now, those uh, I remember. Those, those I remember. Fantastic. It was like, God, dude. They were horrible. Yeah. They tracked all shitty and everything. It Back was in the bad. day when everybody had blade balancers and. Yeah, you know, I blades to me, it just kind of seems like we've, we've grown up and. Those, they're just not, how do I put it? You just buy blades now. I mean, any normal brand blade is going to be a good blade by most standards. Especially I, from a new standard, new person standard. Yeah, oh yeah. And I got to tell you, I have not, I haven't checked in years. Weight and yeah. balance on a set of blades in oh, for long, long ever. time. I agree, dude. I don't that has come a long is. way. Even in even in the last like four or five years, that's come a long way to the point where now you basically just buy them, you pop them out of the package, install them, yeah. and you're ready to go. Yeah. So I think as long as you're not getting into like the, you know, the the Hobby King carbon fiber, or Hobby King fiberglass specials. Which, yeah, yeah I, you know, it's a good point. You gotta, you want to <laughs> stick with, you want to stick with reputable brands, because you think about it, you're spinning these things uh, on your helicopter at high speed, and if something were to fail, it could be dangerous. It, it's not just going to mm-hmm. cost you a crash and the cost of damaged blades, but it could be dangerous if a piece of blade flies off and hits someone. Nowadays, a majority, if not all of the brands out there, install what's called a safety wire. And it's actually uh, like a little steel cable that wraps around uh, the root of the blade and then runs all the way along the length, usually of the leading edge of the blade, so that in a crash or if something were to fail in flight, uh, the blade doesn't fragment up into a whole bunch of, you know, basically flying uh, needles needles yeah or chunks of dangerous crap it stays in one piece dan you remember crashing woodies oh my yeah. god it was spectacular. just like a, a like a toothpick explosion factory. of of splinters yeah, to- toothpick factory that's right it was horrible but i you know i i would build like four or five sets of those at a time and i, I flew the shit out of those and when i was starting I still have some. Do you do you want do you want to try some out, Nick? I'm a, I want to steal that Raptor thirty. Oh, I should put some woodies. I got some. I got some woodies for that. I want to make it fly barless. I don't think you could get the throws you need out of that one no, servo we'll mechanical. <laughs> I got Dremel. <laughs> I think I think you can only get like eight degrees and six degrees, top and bottom. Well, then we'll just spin it faster. <laughs> <laughs> that wraps up part two of uh, where to start when you're. I got when one more new. blade question before we. Oh, one more. One more. Uh, high end and low end. Mm-hmm. What determines a high end blade, and what determines a low end blade? Yeah. I'm talking carbon here. Yeah, feel. That's, that's a. It's I'm a, gonna call feel. You. What are you saying? It is Nick. I think it's just, I mean, with the blades that are out there today, 
I'm going to call it nothing more than feel. But there's a little yeah, engineering that's, in it. That's what well I was going to say. Yeah, I mean, 99% of the blades out there, someone's going to like them, right? Quality-wise, they're all pretty spot on. Uh, and it really just comes down to what flies best for your heli and your style. Except for when you're buying speed blades, at which yes. point the X713s are the highest end at 250 bucks a pair. But 3D blades, you know, once you find a blade that feels right, and uh, assuming you can stomach the cost, because we, you know, we can talk about that too, Nick. There's for for the the standard of quality that's out there there's a pretty wide range of blade prices yeah i mean if you're talking about like you know 690 700 class you're looking from say 100 bucks up to what buck 40 135 140 yeah right around there right yeah you've got you know maxwells are up at the top the spin blades are up at the top but I, I, I don't personally. I don't think that the price is the dictating factor on what's the best. I mean, you know, we've talked about the compass blades. Those, dude, those things fly great, mm-hmm. and they are way down low on the price mm-hmm. range. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just don't think you can go wrong with any of the name brand blades these days. It's just gonna feel different and tune different, sound and different. If that's yeah, sound different. Sound different. <laughs> love farty blades. Dan loves farty I blades. I love farty blades. In fact, uh, at Othello, I bought a set of edge blades from someone. The originals. For one Just reason only. Farts. Fartastic. So I can fart in front of the plankers. I love my farty 753s. Yeah. Well, that's it. That's all I had for the extra blade question. Yeah. So what do you think? Should we wrap this one up? I think we should. Hopefully everyone, all the the newbies out there got a little bit of a crash course. And feel free to email Nick with further questions. Absolutely. (laughs) No, you bet. And if they wanted to do that, Nick, how would they send you an email? Oh, look what he did there. Wow. Wow. So smooth. Uh, You would send me an email at nick at rchelynation.com. How about you, Jesse? Uh, you could send me an email to jesse at rchelynation.com. Justin? You could send me an email at justin at rchelynation.com or catch me on Facebook. I'm Dan. You can reach me at dan at rchelynation.com. Dan K. Reed on our webpage. Uh, check out, uh, speaking of the webpage, check out our chat box up on the front page there. A lot of guys hanging out there. Typical crew. Same, pretty much the same guys hanging out there. If you want to ask some questions or just have a conversation about helicopters, it's a great place to do it. Uh, if you're interested in some shirts, we still have uh, quite a few available and hoodies as well and hats. Uh, you can go to our store link on the webpage and you can email Ken at rchelynation.com for any questions, uh, whether it's uh, apparel or citizen registration, questions like that. Uh, he'll He's Johnny on the spot as we constantly say so we appreciate all the hard work ken puts in for us yes we do go to Uh, rc flight deck and register for rchn3 and the 3d trials absolutely we have a special announcement next week 
Dun, dun, dun. Yep. A very, very, very special giveaway. We like doing giveaways. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's my favorite. Um, We're going to do a giveaway for those who pre-register for the fun the announcement was next week, man. It is. Yeah. Oh. But I'm not going to say what it is. Okay, this week. I see what you're saying. Oh, no, I'm okay, just saying okay. we're going to give something tease. really cool away. For those of you who pre-register, and we'll tell you what that is next week. That's uh, that's what they call a teaser. That's right. You like teasers. Uh, Facebook. Appreciate your support on Facebook. Uh, it's a great way to find mm-hmm. out what we're doing there. And uh, I think that about wraps it up, guys. This has been episode 189. We sure hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we've enjoyed making it. Have a good week, guys. We will see you next Monday. Bye. Later, guys. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Take it easy. <laughs> hey, who's going to give me my switch cover back? This has been a production of RC Heli Nation LLC and is brought to you by Soco Heli Tools, Progressive RC, Rev Electrics USA, Lower Heli, BK Servos, and Spartan Flybarless Systems. If you have any comments or questions, please feel free to send us an email.